Hello and welcome to Future Thinking from Stylus. I'm your host, Christian Ward, Head of Media and Marketing at Stylus. Today we're going to be talking about how, in our hectic, always-on lives, we can ensure that our homes are optimised for well-being. How do we turn our homes into sanctuaries of calm and what opportunities does this present for brands? To discuss this, I'm joined by Suzanne Imri, who for over 17 years was the editor of Leading Interiors magazine and website Living Etc. and livingetc.com and now works as a brand consultant, content director, and journalist. And I'm also joined by Davey Pinati, Stylus' own senior editor of product design. Welcome to you both. So first off, Suzanne, what do we know about the effect that spaces have on our mental state? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we've spent so much time thinking about how wellness affects us personally, but probably less time on how our environment and our homes affect our wellness and our sense of um, well-being. Um, But I think architects and designers are definitely um, becoming much more conscious of the need for buildings to enhance our well-being. Um, And I think there's been some interesting developments. and, And I think it's not even just about well-being. It's about creativity. Um, There was a a virtual reality um, experiment in Iceland a few years ago um, where people were shown different street scenes. And um, the ones that actually reverberated most and had most engagement were the ones where there was a lot more... um, a sort of more architectural variation in the street. Um, people were responded much more um, effectively and, and engagingly to it. And and I know from my own experience, I, I worked at Canary Wharf for a couple of years um, recently. And I after about six months, I actually physically started to feel less creative. And, you know, that's a sad thing. But there was the, the lack of different pieces, different architecture, different hairstyles, different shoes, everything. It, it, it started to sort of sap away at something. Um, and I actually could feel it. So um, I, I quite um, support that that train of thought. Um, the other thing that's interesting that um, there have been recent um, studies about, and also these are VR studies as well, um, some v, a VR study, um, looking at people and how they react within rooms. And I think people are much more calmer and much happier in rooms with curved edges and more softer contours. Um, there's a lot of debate over why this is and why when, when people are shown sort of much sort of more angular um, and sort of much straighter rooms, which most of us are, are used to, um, on some level there is a theory that it's actually affecting, it's a primal um, reaction because we are... Um, we, we are raised to think that sharp things are dangerous. And so curves um, actually feel a lot less threatening. Um, so whether that's that's something, it's, it's, it's something people are exploring at the moment. And I think there are now new studies to look at whether people react the same to, to sort of curved spaces versus sharper spaces when you actually ask them how it affects them um, from a more practical response, because I think emotionally they definitely respond better to curves, but practically it could be a different result. So we'll see about that. Um, and then I also think a lot of, of um, you know, buildings and architects are starting to respond to 
creating spaces that do enhance our well-being. I think there's a lot of a lot of new developments now. There will be um, communal areas in in apartment blocks and um, a much greater emphasis on light and full height windows, natural light, and also tactility, which is so important for our us to stay in touch with our senses. Um, there's a there's a new um, a new a, 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 a building in in Manchester that um, a new a new apartment block, and they they've actually put a fireplace in every apartment because fireplaces are associated with a sense of home. And so, while it might not actually be a functioning fireplace, it immediately gives you a sense of home. So already there, Davy, Suzanne sort of mentioned you know a number of of strategies and ideas mm-hmm. that that uh, that might work for making our homes more well being centric. What, what can brands do with this knowledge to help advance this? I think this knowledge is already used in wellness, healthcare, workspaces. And I think now we're really seeing how that's also moving into the home space, especially because so many consumers now crave mindfulness, a sense of calm. Um, And I think it's really interesting that we're now seeing how this knowledge is being quantified. Um, So there's more data now becoming available to prove what we intuitively understood for so long. So, for instance, we're seeing how brain scans show that different colors activate different parts of the brain. So this might sound quite simple, but it means that different colors make us think, feel or act differently. So a better understanding of these factors allows brands to design certain experiences more precisely or scale up certain sensations. So at Stylus, we follow certain designers quite closely that are experimenting with this, like Laurelyn Jensen, who researches color in relation to healthcare environments, or Justine Contou, who's a curator and experiments with these things in the workplace. So, for instance, creating curved spaces for privacy and comfort. And you already mentioned the the curved spaces. And these were a leading feature in the Google Design Studio installation in Milan that I already mentioned once before in this podcast, but I think it was so interesting because it was scientifically backed and we were all fitted with a wearable that measured our biometrics to basically prove that our bodies do respond to our environment. And it did show that the room with the curved walls and the more like textured walls made us feel more comfortable. So our bodies immediately respond to that. Your heart rate drops, your breathing slows. So this information is great for brands to also, you know, increase budgets when you can prove to decision makers that your guests or your clients will benefit from from good design. Yeah, so this is a whole new area to explore in, in the home as well, I think. Suzanne, one thing you mentioned at the very start there was that after six months at Canary Wharf, you started to feel less creative. Now, is that not, is it not the case that if you spend enough time in any environment, that eventually you're going to get used to it and it's going to have a more negative effect on you because it's not different or stimulating. Is there, is there an argument to say that um, we should be constantly moving into new environments to keep our creativity going? I think, obviously, we all benefit from, at a weekend, getting out of the city, going and seeing a different view, exp- you know, having a, a different experience. And I think everybody would say that that enhances their creativity, their sense of well-being. So, absolutely. I think on the flip side, you can always find interesting things and things are changing anyway. I don't think you have to change your location or your... Because 
things are always in movement and, and in momentum anyway. So I think what I found when I was at Canary Wharf was it was just a very regimented, the, the architecture is all modern. Um, there's just a lot of glass and grey and concrete. Um, that actually affects the light as well. So even the water looked quite grey because of the, the way the light reflected onto it. So um, you had this very sort of monotone life experience. And obviously then you add in the sort of grey suits and, and sort of it became, I, mean, I, I can remember sort of following somebody up the escalator at Canary Wharf Station and sort of transfixed because they had a really funky pair of shoes on and it was, it absolutely stood out to me like a kind of the most exciting thing I'd seen that day. And it made me realise how I'd become very used to a sort of very monotone um and I think we all, you know, as creatives, you spark off ideas, whether that's a historical building, a modern building, a wacky hairdo, a fabulously presented poached egg. I mean, it could be anything. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm wondering, um, and Davey, maybe you have some ideas on this. I, I guess I'm wondering more about within the the sort of interior environment that you may be working in, whether there's examples of of how you can change that space maybe in a modular way and keep the, the, the creativity alive. I mean, I think this is the most basic and, and awful example of that would be hot desking, right? You know, the idea that you move around and it shakes things up. I mean, but we, we've written, I mean, I've written for Stylus around uh, how to keep creativity up. And, and that is a very proven way for, for creatives to keep, uh, keep inspired by shifting the, the place that they work around and the people they sit next to and trying to spark conversations. So I wonder from an interior design uh, perspective whether there are arguments for a kind of modular approach to the office. Yes, um, modular, but also maybe creating different environments where you can take yourself away and um, also just to give you different spaces for different tasks so you don't have to sit behind your desk if you just need to get some inspiration and get some ideas. You take yourself away and go to a different area. Um, we're now seeing quite some nice uh, projects um, that are actually putting in place what we've been talking about a few years ago when we were talking about tactility, you already mentioned it, and biophilia, um, where they are creating, for instance, more tactile wallpaper that um, is more dynamic and kind of dang with dangling elements that move with in the breeze or that change in the, in, in different lights, um, just to create little moments of wonder where um, you're more engaged with your surroundings and not looking at the screen. Maybe a chair placed at a window to look at the sky. Um, the curator I just mentioned, uh, Justine Contou, she's actually working in Holland with the uh, with different ministries to create contemplation spaces to actually take people away from their desk where they're going kind of brain dead um, and just put them in front of a window and say, here, look... Look sounds, outside for a little bit and get some new inspiration. <laughs> sounds like my regular working day, to be honest. Um, I, th I, think, I think if, um, talking about that, as, as whether it's the workplace or the home place, where we're, we're probably moving to a more sort of, com a lot more focus on the sort of communal and, and sort of open plan areas. And I think, and that is great. And as you said, it, it encourages different interactions and more movement and more flow. Um, but I think anything with that has more sort of communal areas has to be offset with some private areas, and and that's both at, at home and and um, at, in the workplace. So in in the home, obviously, there's there's a, a much 
a, a lot of um, open plan spaces and most of living now is done in an open plan space. Um, but I think obviously that is why the bedroom has become such a sanctuary and almost a sort of hotel-like retreat. Um, and that, that that is because we need to offset those two things in order to have a better mental health so, Davia, I just wanted to go back a little bit to, to you. You mentioned their um, wallpaper that moves and that sort of thing. I think these these are quite interesting and fairly radical ideas for interior design. I wondered if if both of you had some sort of more examples of how um, healthy indoor climates are being created through through these kind of interior design ideas. Yes, I think there's a big focus on lighting, um, and that's gonna continue in the next few years as our understanding of circadian health grows. Um, And that basically entails that we all have a biological clock, whether we completely ignore it or not. And um, that is set to a 24-hour cycle that controls almost every biological system in our body. So that's from our mood, our sleep-wake cycles, um, but also our metabolic and immune and reproductive systems. Um, And you can't just hack that by sleeping or exercising at a certain point. But what it is, is that it's really linked to our intake of light, um, our exposure to light. So you can help your system, you can increase your your well-being by matching your 24-hour clock with light. So um, we've all seen these lamps before. Um, where light changes during the day, so it's more bright blue light during the day and then more dimmed, warmer colours in the evening. Um, but yeah, I think this is really going to set off and take off in the next few years. Um, we've seen some great launches and just in the last two weeks, Dyson just launched a lamp this week, um, which is basically a design that's four lamps in one. Um, so it it changes to deliver the right type of light, which every with every task you're doing and it adjusts to the time of day and even to your age. Um, so this really optimizes your um, your energy during the day and gets you ready for bed in the evening. Um, Philips is, has created lamps like this for the bathroom. Um, there's more like art-like pieces on the wall that do the same thing. So I think that's going to be a big uh, focus. So circadian health optimization. And then I think we're also really going to see a focus on clean interiors. And with that, I mean a focus on materials that don't emit um, as much chemicals as some materials do now. Um, So those chemicals are called volatile organic compounds or VOCs, and they can evaporate from paint or from foam in your padding, uh, in the padding of your sofa, for instance. Um, So things we've seen there just two weeks ago at the IMM Furniture Fair in Cologne is a move towards water-based lacquers that emit less um, chemicals, so less formaldehyde, for instance. chairs that reduce padding um, or only use natural materials for upholstery like coconut fiber, wool, um, cotton. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think interestingly in um, in Manhattan, there's a, an apartment building that was finished last year, um, which has got some really radical and interesting ways of, of actually creating a better living environment for us. They've incorporated into the, the building um, vitamin C infused showers. So you really can start the day with that sort of burst of vitamin C. Um, And posture supportive wooden flooring, um, which I I 
I believe works in a similar sort of vein to the fit flop that that has been popular for a while. Um, what's sorry? What's the fit flop? The fit flop is a is a <laughs> most women know about it, but it's a it's a fit it's a flip flop, um, which is designed to enhance to sort of slightly enhance the way you walk, but also slightly exercise the muscles, um, so stretching different muscles. And it actually, rather than just a flat flip-flop, it has a sort of curve to it. Um, So the flooring will have some kind of postural supportive movement element to it. Um, They've also introduced um, induct and and through the um, air conditioning aromatherapy. So you're actually, the whole space is becoming a sort of enhanced by aromatherapy. Um, and and so yes, yeah, so various things. Obviously, this is at the top end of the market at the moment, but these are the sort of things that will filter through. We've we've obviously seen a lot of um, apart from the vitamin C shower. There's there's a lot of showers now that offer a whole variety of, di- of different experiences. So you can have snowfall, you can have rainfall, you can have waterfall. Um, so there's lots of different and interesting ways that. Um, manufacturers are now actually addressing well-being in the home. So we've touched a little bit on sort of new technologies that are emerging here. So I guess the question is, um, is technology going to help us improve our sense of well-being or is there a danger that it could add to our feelings of anxiety as as homes become more technically advanced? Well, I mean, I think most people um, agree that tech is going to become invisible and and very much sort of collapsed into universal systems. So we're not going to have a lot of obvious tech around us, but it will be there and it will be controlling our lives. Um, the antidote to that is in interiors, we're seeing a lot of libraries being built, a lot of library corners or nooks being built, wine cellars, anything that has a sort of more tactile, historical, visual attraction. Um, anything that, that sort of, it, it's the antidote to our screen life and that sort of flat piece of glass. And I think it's, it's, it's important to sort of point out that tactility is so important and, and not just in a sort of fluffy cushions look lovely on a sofa way. Um, you know, touch gives us a sense of presence and a sense of connecting with our bodies and our and what we're touching, it stimulates our, our senses. And if you think about it, children learn so much through their tactile senses. Their first experiences are exploring, touching things, food and, and, and obviously sight. But so we really have to create homes where tactility is is at the forefront because so much of our lives is either going to become invisible or behind a glass screen, and that is not good for our mental well-being. Yeah, I think some nice examples we've we've seen to to illustrate that are, um, for instance, the Symphonics, which is a speaker and a lamp, and it's the fruit of a collaboration between IKEA and US electronics brand Sonos. Um, so it is there that piece of electronics, but you don't necessarily recognize as, recognize it as such. Um, and I think that that invisibility is going to be more important, that tactility you mentioned to make um, electronics more pleasant to live with. Um, We at CES saw this um, smart home control hub 
that actually just looks like a piece of timber on the wall. But at the swipe of a hand, it kind of lights up, comes to life, and um, you can control different things around the house with it. Um, and I think that kind of touches still important. The nicest example I've seen was not in the home, but was a car interior um, of BMW, their Vision iNext concept car, which I tried. Um, so it allows users to um, adjust the music by swiping the car seat's upholstery. So it's there, but it's only there when you need it and it only becomes visible when you touch it. And I do think touch will stay important because, you know, we're quite anxious about all these smart speakers listening in in our most private environments. Um, and then, yeah, we also do want to get away from those screens because that screws up our circadian health. So getting that right in an invisible, unlike way would be really important. <laughs> so at Stylus, we often talk about a, a consumer desire to connect with nature and biophilia. Um, maybe you could explain a bit about what that means and how it will evolve. Uh, yes. We, I think what we, what we see is that we need nature around us and this is only going to increase. Um, and I think how this will evolve is that we will understand biophilia as more than just putting a houseplant in your room. Um, we already mentioned different materials, tactility, working with sunlight and reflective surfaces. But I think our understanding of what nature is will also expand. So we can, for instance, start talking about virtual reality in this sense. Um, you know, when you really live in a big metropolitan city and nature is far away, um, then this is where virtual experiences can bring that closer. We've already seen some quite conceptual projects looking at this, um, looking at how you can make quite depressing and dim apartments more exciting, wearing a headset, um, putting another layer. This was kind of a kind of Escher-like, dream-like forest on top of your real living environment. But just to, yeah, enhance that sense of well-being. And it doesn't necessarily have to be real nature. We've already seen this from studies. You don't necessarily need to see a tree to get the same effect that that tree has on you. So if you have the same kind of changeable qualities and breeze, and then that has the same effect as being in actual nature. I'm looking sceptical. <laughs> you are looking very sceptical. <clears throat> well, I'm just, I'm just thinking, you know, it's fine for as long as you've got the headset on, right? And then you have to go back to your horrible apartment. Yes. <laughs> that must be especially depressing. Yeah. Isn't that just called life, though? I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, I, and I, I, I hear what you're saying about the plants, but I do think just one thing and, and that I learned recently was that um, orchids and aloe vera both emit oxygen at night. So it's something you really should consider having in your bedroom. Um, orchids are quite often not in bedrooms and things, but it's it's just one little simple way you can actually enhance the environment of your bedroom while you sleep. Um, I also just think that um, segueing a little bit into sort of aromatherapy and, and sort of plant scents and, and that sort of thing, and really thinking about our sense of smell as well and, and how important that is. Um, the thousands of receptors in our nose are linked to our limbic system and the limbic system um, regulates our emotional memories and that's why smells, when you just get a waft of something, transport you back to wherever and obviously a whole perfume industry has been built on that. Um, 
so it's so important to when we're living in these spaces it isn't just about the the curves of the room or the the feel of the the sofas and things it is about addressing all our senses and actually our smell sense which is really closely aligned to our emotions which obviously is aligned to our mental health and well-being we really have to think about that and so i think aromatherapy is obviously has a, a, a you can you can think of it as a, as a sort of nice candle but actually i think it has a much more potentially deeper offering going forward for well-being at home i like that idea because it's quite a simple change you can make and i think some of the stuff we've been discussing here is obviously uh quite expensive sounding um so does a healthy home you know have to come with a big price tag obviously you you've you've mentioned there there's just a simple thing of putting an orchid in your bedroom can make a change but are there other ways of doing this which you know don't cost the earth and, and are there ways for brands to get involved that don't cost so much um I think what we've seen in the fast moving consumer good in this uh category of brands tapping into this um is how cleaning you know scrubbing vacuuming is now being promoted as almost like a self-care act. Um so cleaning products that incorporate essential oils, natural materials that are like good for the body um are now being introduced. It also creates opportunity for self for beauty brands to expand into uh, into the home um via that way. And then I think home fragrance there's so much opportunity there. I recently wrote about this and there was some like mind-boggling stats that um 80% of US consumers use home fragrance and that half of them say that it makes them feel relaxed and that it lifts their spirits. So that's a massive amount of consumers so that's that's a big opportunity there. And then I definitely think that this is not just something that homeowners can do like if we talk about curved walls that sounds like you need to build your house from from scrap basically. Um from scratch. But um there's also paint companies now that are really looking into creating natural paints that have less chemicals that are clean that are really um um targeting rental renters young renters they're direct to consumer online brands um there's Claire in the US we've been writing about Therf in Holland um so the these are all tapping into the things we talked about clean interiors um creating a sense of well-being with aromatherapy at a lower price point i mean sadly i i do think a lot of the the products and and things available for us to improve our our environments are at the more expensive end of the market and i really hope that that those price points start coming down and and actually it's an opportunity as well to to reach a wider audience there's also on a very simple level the opportunity for for great storage and better storage um you know we're all aware of the maricondo effect and that has while it obviously is a nice thing to do it also does have an impact on our mental health because um clutter makes one feel overwhelmed it it's a sensory overload it causes irritability and anxiety so anything that you can do to declutter or anything that you can do to improve the storage options in your home um will actually create help create a feeling of sanctuary and ultimately the home should be a place of sanctuary I think it's this decluttering um this desire for less clutter is presenting a lot of 
opportunities and this is something I'm looking into more in the next few months um, where brands can really help consumers to live with less, um, to own less. Um, so one product that I really love, it's actually a suite of pro- products, um, is from a Chinese designer, An Zhu, who has this Swiss knife approach to home electronics. So she found out that of all the kitchen appliances you have, um, they actually only fulfill two different functions, um, heating and rotating. So she created two modules that then can be paired with all these attachments. And you can use it to blend, toast, grill, anything you need to do in your kitchen, you can then do with those two things. Um, Or more modular designs um, where pans have these grab-and-go handles so you can take them off and then it becomes a surfing dish. So all these little design hacks that create the opportunity to own less things. Um, And this, of course, marries really well with a more sustainable mindset, um, but also really links to this new um, approach to ownership that we um, discuss so much that you know it, we always used to want more and I think now that moment has come where we actually want less Well brilliant, I, I look forward to trying to convince stylist HR that I need a room where I can just stare at the sky um, I'd like to thank my guests Suzanne Imri and Davy Pinati and thank you for listening I hope you'll join us next time for more Future Thinking from Stylus. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.